0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another FUDs on Film podcast. My name is Scott Morris. I'm joined today by Drew Tamdale. Greetings. And Greg Eastman. Oh, hello! delighted to have you. Um, So today, for no particularly good reason, other (laughs) (laughs) other than reality has been dealing with me hands raging... From mediocre to garbage over the past couple of months, so this episode represents something of a retreat to adolescence, to a simpler time when most of the films I watched were Die Hard on an increasingly silly something. <laughs> the something in this case being airplanes, and the silly being off the scales. Uh, I am, as ever, a slave to chronology, so let's kick things off with this classic, for very limited definitions of the terms. Then look at 1992's Wesley Snipes vehicles, Passenger 57, before we get on later to the delights of Conair. Anything you want to add In a preamble Or shall I just crash Into Passenger 57 No let's just crash Yes let's crash into this This is going to be We're going to be crashing For some time now Yes We may as well begin It's all dissent From here Um, Yes (laughs) Passenger 57 Where Wesley Snipes Takes on the role Of John Cutter Recently hired From the Secret Service To be the head Of fictitious Airlines security team He gets more than He bargained for In a flight over To headquarters As the FBI Barge on board Transporting And I'll quote straight From the Wikipedia article on this year International psychopath terrorist Charles Rain, played by Bruce Payne, known as the Reign of Terror, because that's imaginative. Although he doesn't go to great lengths to point out that he is not, as a point of fact, insane. <laughs> Everything and other and other rhyming couplets. The insane of Rain stays mainly on the plane. And don't forget, there will be no pain. <laughs> Everything does not go smoothly, however, with Rain's goon squad, including, for some reason, Elizabeth Hurley, enacting a plan to bust Rain out of captivity through the medium of hijacking. Cutter, aided by spunky flight attendant Marty Slayton... Uh, played by Alex Thatcher, isn't about to let a stand and tries to stop them, eventually forcing a landing where they must must deal with law enforcement officials, ranging from the gormless to the somewhat possessed of gorm, as Rain's apparently sophisticated plans play out, which seem mainly to be called sophisticated because they're spoken of in received pronunciation, rather than because they're anything more complicated than escape with guns. Now, (laughs) Passenger 57 is a movie fondly remembered by, well, very few people, and even then, mainly because they recognise how dumb a film this was at the time And took it to heart because of that People like, well, me me, <laughs> 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 Who, don't know about yourself I still can't get past some Quite extraordinary dialogue choices <laughs> From Snipes' bombastic Closest thing he's got to a catchphrase Always bet on black To Bruce Plain devouring scenery And delivering lines like an 8th rate Hannibal Lecter <laughs> now, <laughs> I had a passenger 57
1: club With David Watson at high school <laughs> We had sleepovers just to watch them. Can
2: I just point out I'm not with these two?
1: <laughs> we used to have sleepovers, and the whole night it would just go like We would basically just practice back and forward their like impressions. It would be like, there will be no pain. No, 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 David, it's like this. There will be no pain. No, Craig, it's like this. There will be no pain.
0: No, David, it's like this. Uh, uh, repeat ad infinitum. Um, Breaking it points to do uh, the uh, knife fight dance music that they play. <laughs> oh, don't the people. bongo music! Yes. Boom, do, do, boom, do, do, do. <laughs> never explained to this day. Nor
1: is the line at the end of that where he delivers the final kick to that guy's face, where he says something along lines of "Got to go, got to go." <laughs> I've still never figured that out, man. And I didn't.
0: I didn't think to turn the subtitles on this time. <laughs> Well, not thinking is quite a common theme on Passenger Uh, 57 I won't pretend this is anything other than the minimum viable movie framework to allow Wesley Snipes to kick people in their balls and look, well at least one possible interpretation of cool against a bad guy performance that makes Hans Gruber look like the model of restraint Uh, Bruce Payne went to RADA, its reputation somehow still survives (laughs) Shorn of the nostalgia no, there is no reason whatsoever in Space Year 2019 to watch the surprise Nicely scrubbed up high def release, uh, but I enjoyed my time with this regardless because I'm an idiot. I, listen, the the Passenger Fifty Seven has
1: has one good thing going for it, and it's the same thing that all other Wesley Snipes movies have going for it, and that's the inclusion of Wesley Snipes. Yes. I've got I have got so much time for Wesley Snipes as an actor. I'm aware that as a character out with uh, the the screen, there are several questionable uh, aspects to his personality, and you know the the tax stuff aside, uh, we can make all sorts of arguments there as to who the real victim in 2007 where yeah. when Wall Street and the rest of the world's <laughs> banking system walked away with one of the greatest crimes in history yeah. nearly anyone in prison and Wesley
0: Snipes got thrown in jail for not filing three tax returns <laughs> but I know we can't get Amazon but thank god we can get no. Wesley Snipes on a tax dodge yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's it I will,
1: I will get down off my soapbox there because that aside I know there are all sorts of reports of him being a dick on set <laughs> and off um, but as an actor I find a really really I find him so compelling, and when he has chosen to do serious work, he's a really good actor. Some of the stuff that he's done is phenomenal. Uh, what was the Mike Figgis film that he did with Nat- Natasha Kinsky and whatnot? Is um, it One Night Stand or something? He was he he was phenomenal in that. He's brilliant in so much other stuff. But the thing that I like most about Wesley Snipes is that. The the only person that Wesley Snipes takes less seriously than Wesley Snipes is the tax man, apparently. (laughs) He has got a real sense of humour about him and he embraces camp in a way that you would not expect from and would, has he ever been an a-list he has been an a-list he has been a-list really hasn't he when we think about that demolition point around man sort of demolition man and that's blades be a-list, surely maybe not blade but blade 2 certainly and stuff that he, he's 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 almost reached the cusp of that and i can't think of another actor from that era, the, the real sort of peak of masculinity in American mainstream cinema and the ideal of the sort of the, the muscular white saviour, um, you know, saving, saving the world. Mm-hmm. And here comes this black guy who's not afraid to poke fun of himself and behave quite camply and, em- and embrace that. And, and starring too long Fu, thanks for everything, Julie Newmar. Exactly. <laughs> I, and I actually think he 's quite brave for that, and quite aside from that, he is just a really, really good actor, so that he appeared in so much stuff like this is i don 't know if it 's just like willful disregard for his own career, but <laughs> when you think about stuff like white men can 't jump where he was able to leverage some of that some of that great sort of that Because he's really good at comic material. He's really good at at comic material. And so in a role like that, where he was able to leverage that and actually some of his undeniable sort of thespian talents, you think, why why have we not seen more of that? And if he were at that peak today, I would love to see the material he would be getting. But of course, by the time Blade Trinity came round, he had pretty much signed his own death warrant with his behaviour there on set. So he's a he's a he's a real enigma uh, for me, Wesley Snipes, and I kind of wouldn't dismiss anything he's in out of hand. I will probably at least once watch anything you hand me, even if it's one of the recent sort of um, straight to you know on demand sort of releases that he's obviously been sort of paying back his dues with. And Passenger Fifty Seven is really curious, because Kevin Hooks, who... Uh, Kevin Hooks isn't it the director. Kevin Hooks does a pretty decent job of hanging all this together. The direction isn't terrible, but it's still a bad movie. And the script <laughs> has got... The script has actually got some decent witty dialogue in it, but it's still a really bad script. <laughs> and everybody who's in it it feels like they're aware of the material, but with the exception probably of Snipes, they're all pretty bad as well. It's, um, it's a curious, curious thing, and I used to love it back in the day, and then I probably haven't watched it for the best part of 20 years, to be honest. Yeah. And this was the first time I came, and I was really sorely disappointed that it just hasn't held up. At all at all <laughs> in this watch now. I expected to enjoy it a lot more than I did and it's kind of it's kinda of killed it for me now. But I like to think at that formative period in my life I had my I had my love affair with this movie and I, I, I got my money's worth out of it. You know, yeah. the the rental from Blockbuster a couple of times or whatever and um I can't complain about that. Um but I I doubt we'll be crossing paths ever again.
0: <laughs> no, no, it's uh... a... <laughs> I was going to say it's of its time. I, don't, I think even at its time it was not quite of its time. Um, it, no. it was a, a weird film then and it was a weird film now. And likewise I've not seen it in yeah. decades and I will never go back to it again. The, the
1: but. thing is I don't think in the midst of it we would have looked at it then and realised quite how out of its time uh, it was. And really what has thrown that into stark relief for me was the fact that there are five years between this and the other film that we're talking about tonight. And that other film we're talking about arguably represents perhaps like The last hurrah of that era of action cinema and production-wise and everything, it is so many leagues apart from this that you would think they were about twenty years apart, not five. So, I don't know, but there you go. I've I've spoken enough.
2: Sorry, I've bored everyone enough, Drew.
1: (laughs) This is the first time you watched Passenger Fifty Seven, right?
2: Yes, uh, it will also be the last. (laughs) (laughs) Will you be playing roulette on occasion, Drew? And if so, upon which colour will you be betting? Which one's the the one with the the double zero? It's green, isn't it? Yeah, um, no. just do,
1: green. Just do that. as As long as as long as moving forward in life, Drew, you forever now pronounce the word as plan? <laughs> then you'll be <laughs> you'll you'll have uh, you you'll still be living with the legacy of this film. Yeah. So I am yeah. in command of this plan, and everyone on it. <laughs>
2: It's hard for me to say much more than this is a film that I have now seen. Mm-hmm. Um, and
1: there's value
0: was, in that. I mean, not I much have, value. I'm always <laughs> there's, like, there's not much value in Passenger Fifty Seven, to be fair. But
2: <laughs> uh, I haven't. I've never seen it, but I've always been at least vaguely aware of Passenger Fifty Seven because I had this friend who would do things like <laughs> quote it all the time at <laughs> sleepovers and talk about it. Okay, more. okay. Uh, what was sad. <laughs> Yeah, a weird guy. I don't know what ever happened to him. Um,
1: (laughs) He bet on red. (laughs)
2: uh, I mean, I suppose it's... It feels like a B movie with kind of A movie level production because it feels like like better quality sets than you might expect of the material that this has. But there's not really an awful lot happening in it. Mm. I mean, I was watching it and it was sort of it was passing by well enough and then you get know, the horrible almost kind of Buford T. Justice like mm-hmm, yeah. Southern Hick Sheriff's like, oh, okay now I'm bored yeah. I didn't expect to find as much satisfaction in Wesley Snipes beating him up as mm. I expected to mm-hmm. um, <laughs> but then he ends up being friends with him at the end like, no, mm-hmm. no, no,
1: no <laughs> Yes, they all laugh and are friends
2: Couldn't they have all just died, please? That would have been quite satisfying <laughs> but no I find myself kind of get vaguely distracted by minor things which tends to happen to people when there's nothing in the meat of the film to Uh really get me there's the the flashback scene for no good reason of what happened to his wife Uh and, Uh and it's Got that horrible sort of late 80s, early 90s saxophone soundtrack over it, which I cannot abide. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I've never like, even started in otherwise films and enjoyable films like Lethal Weapon. See when the saxophone starts, i want to tear my ears out. Um,
0: <laughs> Just a side note, the soundtrack in this film is mental, it's yes. all over mm-hmm. the place. Mm-hmm. There's, yep. there's all kind of weird mixes. It's, it's, it's nothing like you would expect an action film to be. Um, and it's Probably not in a good way, but it certainly kept me on my toes. <laughs> out, what's this? Is this Van jealous or something? What's going yeah, on here? Yeah. <laughs> it's really
2: odd. Um, <laughs> so, especially that, and then well, I thought because when I had this next thought, it was like then I realised the big problem I have with this film in particular is there's a bit when Wesley Snipes and the air hostess are in the, or the stewardess, sorry, is in the are in the the galley underneath. Hmm. And um, he's talking about dumping the fuel. And she says, what are you doing? We're on a jumbo jet. I'm like, no, you're not. <laughs> jumbo jet just doesn't yeah. need a big plane. It's a very specific plane. And <laughs> apart from the fact I would have noticed anyway... Yes, you're on a tri-star. Yes. I know you're not on that. Because for some reason, there was at least 30 to 45 seconds of establishing shots of the airplane. <laughs> <laughs> and then it was, for an 83-minute film, boy, does this have a lot of filler. Yeah. There's an awful lot of empty shots and fluff in this film. And i why... Why? You know, it just feels like they, they had a very very basic story And were really struggling to push it to feature length Yeah,
0: it's like when they shoot one of the final Fight sequences It's, it's like, how are we going to end this? Let's have him getting kicked in the balls That's not enough, let's have him get kicked in the balls again yeah, It's still not quite doing it for me Have him kick him in the balls one more time That's it, green light Third time's a charm Out the door you go, Rain <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's like the candyman of getting kicked out of plane. <laughs> you must kick me in the balls three times and I will fall out of this plan <laughs> <laughs> Gotta go, gotta go. <laughs> Always kick in sack. <laughs> It's a curious film. Do you know what's most interesting about this film now is that, because I thought to myself, Kevin Hooks, I only know his name from this. And in having a brief view of his IMDb um, filmography, his career in television is amazing. Since this film, yeah, he has all that, right? he's gone on to do just about every major, like an episode of every major prime time show on US network television, man. His filmography as director is absolutely fantastic. Um, after this, yeah, pri- Prison Break, like freaking House and stuff like that. Um, you know, the the Mentalist, NCIS, all this stuff. He's he's his career has been pretty good by all accounts. And I think when you watch this, that's the thing about it is that it's not the craft involved from a direct point of view isn't terrible. It's quite obvious that this guy is he's, he's working with terrible material, but he does just about <laughs> as well as you could with it. Yeah. And they've had the goods you know, they've had the good grace to keep it to eighty-two minutes in the edit. <laughs> it certainly doesn't outstate its welcome as you said, I mean they still manage a bit of padding in it there, but that's probably just for the purposes of getting it into cinemas as a feature. Yeah. Um, it's slightly above workmanlike and it's certainly about as good a fist as you could make of, of, of that script and with, with that cast and listen I know people I, I know people comment about Liz Hurley but come on come on <laughs> Liz Hurley she's ama- She's stunning and she remains to this day oh, and she's not as, half as terrible an actor as people make out she's only three quarters as terrible <laughs> is that more or less terrible than half as terrible?
0: um <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yes. <laughs> Let's move on. Let's see, you turn the denominator upside down and multiply it, right? That's I think Liz Hurley is a national treasure. Yes. <laughs> Liz Hurley, Tom Sizemore and Bruce Greenwood together at last. <laughs> 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 hey, yep. Yeah. Oh my days. Oh my days. Uh, do you want me to do Connor or do you? you I,
1: you d- I do don't it. mind doing an intro. I've okay, written okay. stuff down unless are you are you married to what you've written? No, not really not. <laughs> okay. Daddy, my five year old started in that social media favourite baiting way (laughs) Daddy, we live in a time of great macroeconomic inequality The gap in prosperity between the richest and poorest increasing exponentially And more people living in poverty than at any point in history Daddy, if you had 75 million dollars to spend on absolutely anything What would be the fiscally and morally responsible thing to do? (laughs) <laughs> I smiled, cradling the delicate frame of her innocent jawline in my open palm. Sweet child, I began. Sweet innocent child. <laughs> there are so many ways in which such a sum could be tactically deployed for the greater good of the community, both locally and more broadly. Last year in this country, 14 million people had to visit food banks just to put a meal in their children's tummies. And right now, 100,000 children in England and Wales are classed as homeless by their local authorities. A single salty tear rolled down her angelic physog. Oh, Daddy, her voice gently trembling, whatever can we do to help those poor disadvantaged huddled masses? Let's make corner beat <laughs> Even discounting the fact that $75 million in 1997 money equates to about 118 million clams now And I know because I checked There is no compelling reason for Conair to ever have been made at any price north of zero For it is quite the most ridiculous, overblown and disgraceful misappropriation of funds And time as Hollywood did ever barth forth. The first Jerry Bruckheimer produced joint following his split from Don Simpson, which is ultimately a moot point anyway, as the latter had fatally imploded into a cocaine singularity before (laughs) filming began. As a calling card, Conair functions very much like a live hand grenade. I look at it as an alternate reality Forrest Gump, in which one of those whimsical life decisions didn't work out quite right, placing us right at the start of this movie, where Nick Cage's monosyllabic army ranger Cameron Poe kills a man in self-defence out back of a bar, landing him in Chokey. Here he befriends McKelty Williamson's baby-o, writes letters to his infant daughter who he's yet to meet and does some insane cell-based workouts over a number of years and the opening credits before being bundled onto a convict air transport pending his release. Would it that it were so simple, as besides Poe and Baby O, the flight's passenger manifest is made up of the most notorious murderers, rapists, cannibals, psychopaths and other Republicans the US has to offer. (laughs) And, of course, they brutally seize control of the plane in a bid for freedom. In a bid to give Poe any reason whatsoever not to ghost the <laughs> out of there at the first opportunity, <laughs> of which he has several, it is necessary for Baby O to be missing his insulin, making McKelty Williamson's second outing as plot fodder for the white saviour archetype. <laughs> Cole Meaney's unhinged fed Malloy wants to do the sensible thing and down the plane, while John Cusack's other fed, I don't remember, Vince Larkin is intent on doing the morally correct thing, deducing that Poe is not just your ordinary crim and maybe down to help him save the day by recovering the aircraft and quoting philosophy. <laughs> to try and explain much else about Conair would be a sheer folly, as nothing that happens makes any sense and it does so incredibly loudly and incredibly violently. An impressionable 18-year-old at the time, I remember thinking this insanity was the tits, and bizarrely, for something so forthrightly trashy and hostile it remains a favourite of my pension aged mother (laughs) Uh, I however have shifted ever so slightly in recent years and upon recent review I can confirm that this is in fact a deplorable artistically bankrupt garbage as Scott would pronounce it Um, to rub salt in the wound this movie has the temerity to open with a misquotation of Dostoevsky. I believe what he actually said was the degree of civilisation in a society can be judged by entering its cinemas (laughs) <laughs> um, I don't know this is another blow to me because I at last viewing I remember acknowledging that Con Air was a bad movie but that there was something to enjoy about it and this time round I acknowledged that it was a bad movie and there's now nothing to enjoy about it
0: um, am I alone in this? Oh, it's very much a film that's cranking hard on the stupid dial <laughs> But um, I hadn't I think maybe like true what you were saying earlier before we started recording this I'm not actually convinced I'd watched this all the way through I, I know I'd definitely seen it all in some combination but I don't think I'd ever sat down with the intention of watching Conair from start to finish so this may be my first complete viewing of it and I, I didn't hate it but it's really stupid I mean <laughs> aggressively stupid it's a script that is so stupid it almost goes like buffer overflows back it's into clever again violently it's, sociopathically stupid I mean it's a, it's a film that Raised the ridiculous bar so high, I'm not sure there is a bar anymore. It's a film where John Malkovich threatens to shoot a stuffed rabbit in the head, and somehow that makes sense in context. And for some reason, (laughs) audiences laughed along. (laughs) I mean, uh, almost everything in it's actually quite pedestrian. I mean, the action's probably okay. Mm. It's it's competent, but no air shattering. Probably, disgracefully so, given the amount of money pumped into it. Um, Mm. But really, the only thing I watch this film for, and it would get um, very tiring, I think, on repeat viewing, would be the performances, which are mental. It's like a cast-wide scenery-chewing competition. Nick Cage may possibly win it with that accent, which is probably racist. It seems mm-hmm. like it should be racist. Certainly, It's certainly offensive to uh, most thinking people, as is all of the dialogue. Um, it's it's a very stupid film. Like, really, really stupid. I feel dumber having watched it, but I still kind of enjoyed it. It's, it's, <laughs> so, <No!
1: laughs> um,
0: I certainly have no interest in ever coming back to it. Again, it's just one of these things. It's um, an artefact of an era that's been more or less forgotten or the good bits of it have been excavated And done better In, in um, more recent films uh, This, as you say, is sort of the death throes of that uh, Bruckheimer cinematic universe um, mm. Where everything was got as Loud and as dumb as possible Um Echoes of we which perhaps remain in the Transformers franchise but is more yeah. or less going kind to of have been uh, sanitised in other films yes, yes. It's, um,
1: we're faced with a terrifying prospect here because you know, it was part of that um, so the, there was a trifecta of Bruckheimer uh, movies that uh, Nick Cage did of which The Rock is clearly the, the high watermark or I would assume is the high watermark of that I don't know I'm terrified to go back to it now <laughs> and, the, the, le- uh, yeah, and the, the least of which I think we we would uh, we would probably agree was gone in sixty seconds, but yeah. I'm not so sure now. Having watched Con Air, I, we are faced with the prospect that actually, if we were to go back and watch Gone in sixty seconds now, I'm genuinely terrified that that film might have worn better than
2: this—the one with Vinnie Jones. Was. Yeah,
0: it's like Gone <laughs> this in 60 is, seconds, So that's a deep cut. <laughs> this, is, this is ludicrous, but it's still less ludicrous than Fast and the Furious. So yeah, maybe it wins. Yeah, no, you mean this makes some concession to physics.
2: <laughs> uh, the Fast and Furious film, which is now called Full On Into Magic. Yeah. <laughs> Sci fi with Idris Elba apparently being some evolution of humanity with magic back. Uh, no, I wish I hadn't seen the trailer of the Hobson Shaw because I thought this will be fun. Those two guys get it. But no, everybody around them doesn't. Um, yeah. uh, You're talking about that sort of that time period, Craig. Because, mm. yeah, there are a couple of films from around that sort of time that I've had had great enjoyment for at the mm. time. One of them was, in fact, The Rock. Mm -hmm.
1: The other's not Face Off, is it?
2: No, I dismissed my feelings Mm. for Face Off quite some time ago. Mm -hmm. i enjoyed it at the time. Mm. No, the other is Armageddon.
1: Yeah, Yeah. okay,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Which is the same year as this, I think? 97 or maybe 98, but certainly around about that time. Yeah, as good as. Uh, Both of them I watched again within the last five years, I think, and we'll never ever watch again. It's like, Mm -hmm. oh, (laughs) these are rubbish. That's disappointing, I used to Mm. like these. Con Air, I suspect, would have gone in there had I seen it in the past. Now, at least, I didn't dislike it. I found it, for the most part, reasonably reasonably (laughs) reasonably enjoyable, uh, while still being fully aware of, boy, this is stupid. (laughs) This is very stupid and distasteful in many ways, and stupid, but...
0: And um, it, what the catch it is, it doesn't stop being stupid at any point for <laughs> no. you to realize how quite how stupid it is. It just keeps going. It, it is it's a yeah. very driven film. Yeah, <laughs> and, I mean. and if you have not seen it for a long time or you're not completely familiar with it, I think it, it kind of gets by on that <laughs> for a while until yeah. you until you get to the end and go, wait, hang on, why was he going <laughs> to shoot the bunny in the head? Yeah,
2: they like, tried to set up things that has been sort of race and then immediately undercut them too like they, at the beginning of the film they are setting up the fact that there were no weapons on the plane apart from one in the cabin and there were some in the, the hold yeah. and then you see where the guns get there, there were shotguns okay that makes sense for prisoner transport for mm, prison mm. guards and stuff there are assault rifles. Mm, I think some sort of rifle. Baby, why did they have a grenade launchers? <laughs> <laughs> why those, those surgically precise weapons? Uh, just,
1: uh, just
0: what you want inside a plane. Totally not designed for collateral damage.
2: I believe it's standard prison issue. Apparently, but <laughs> clearly so. And then there's, sort of, there's more kind of conventionally stupid things like Cole agent just being, you know, an asshat for for the reason that they needed to have an antagonist to um, John Cusack's character. Yeah. But nothing they did or said was in any way reasonable. And it's just, uh, uh, I don't know. I would never ever watch it again, but I didn't particularly resent my time with it. <laughs> the biggest problem I had, though, is it has the oddest changes. Like, mm. It's really odd tonally because there are bits where people are being threatened with rape uh-huh. um, to the point where Danny Trejo's card almost does it to Rachel Dekkerden, um, uh-huh. and but then he gets stopped and there's like retribution for it. Uh-huh. Then at the same time, Steve Buscemi is suggesting he might be able to rape a child. Uh-huh. It's ambiguous whether in fact rape it's and a or murder. Or not. Yeah, <laughs> um, I mean, I'm guessing not because she waves it him, but it's it's really not clear. But then, while Danny Trejo gets murdered in the film, or some way killed, um, hmm. it, the film ends with sort of a joint bit of the multiple murderer and people leader who at one point said he was driving for several hours with somebody's head as a helmet, <laughs> as a hat, Um <laughs> Get, like, like, the film basically ends with a wee jaunty bit Of him having escaped And going, oh I feel quite lucky And a wee jaunty bit of music comes in mm-hmm. <laughs> This film is crazy <laughs> It's
1: bizarre, it's absolutely bizarre It's interesting, see when you watch this now if You, you mention uh, Rachel ticketin 's uh, character Drew She is the only person who behaves like a functioning human In this whole <laughs> film No one else is relatable on any level yeah. Any <laughs> level I remember um, It must have been God, that was a while ago. Now it's probably before even I moved uh, d- down here. So it's probably about at least fifteen years ago, or something. I remember watching an interview with John Cusack on some film program or another, and on the topic topic of Con Air, he just he's like, "No, I don't talk about that film." <laughs> and I remember at the time, and like, right, and pressed on, he's like no, I'd, I've no interest in talking about Conair, and at the time I remember thinking wow, what an arrogant prick, now I'm like yeah, I would oh man, I could <laughs> sit, I could have a good chat with John
2: Cusack over a beer um, I don't know, I'm kind of thinking, John Cusack has made a hell of a lot of films where I'm not talking about it. that would be the appropriate response yeah.
1: oh he certainly has since then but I can appreciate why he just sort of like Conair it's like yeah look I took the money don't ask me too many questions about it because in that situation I'm sure we all would have taken the money and we all would have looked back on it with some sort of you know artistic regret if not financially because I'm sure everyone was remunerated handsomely which explains the presence of Malkovich at a time before he was kind of trawling the bargain basement bins as well yeah. um, he was still an actor at that point who had some sort of cachet and who was very much gave the impression of being holier than thou and would only appear in material that was worthy of his presence um, and this was the first time where I sort of saw his billing and something and thought wow this must be a semi-serious action film then and then sat in the cinema thinking wow John John Malkovich must have
0: had a dump truck of money turn up outside his house. Yes, turns out everyone does have a price. Yes, exactly.
2: I, I think there are hints in here though of the beginning of Malkovich really beginning to play things quite kind of ironically Mm. And sort of being aware that <laughs> what he's in is daft. Yes, uh, I, that, that, that his role calls for that at least. Yeah, uh-huh.
0: you certainly get that from this. Um, but I, yeah. I don't think. I, mean, I don't think anyone. Is, is really taking this any, in any way seriously? I mean, Kuzak is probably the one person who's taking it the most seriously. He mm. seems to be playing his character as though it's a proper character, and everyone else is just going mental with it. I mean, even mm. Cole Mani. I mean, he's so unreasonable. He's just unreasonably over the top for the yeah. the purpose of the fact that he's in Con Air and he must have read the script and went, <laughs> "Well, this is a piece of garbage. I may as well act my tits off." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. most people
2: screaming have. about John Cusack saving the rainforest and something <laughs> as if <laughs> yeah. know, that's maybe like author insertion. that thinks so that that's horrible. left liberal nonsense but yeah. it's <laughs> I
0: do wonder if that's why Kuzak uh, feels he can't talk about it because he seems to be the only person who's not in on the joke <laughs> uh, the joke being that we've wasted this amount of money on a film yeah <laughs> it's stupid I don't know if that's anything to do with it but yeah he seems to be the only person who's trying to be serious in a film where everyone else very much isn't <laughs> yeah
2: a film where like nobody understands even like the basic idea of uh, diabetes yeah um, <laughs> He's not had anything to eat for many hours. If you give him insulin now, you'll kill him, not save yeah. him. But okay. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I don't I'm
0: know sure. that. I'm just an army ranger.
2: I'm not sure anybody's paying attention to what was actually in the script. Because they have things like the the drug dealer, who's supposed to be some incredibly fearsome guy who murdered many people on a yacht just to protect his identity, or mm-hmm. protect them being caught. It's, We've all been this. <laughs> it's some sort of a Weedy wee guy For the small bit He's He's a weedy wee guy Who's entirely deferential To John Malkovich Despite the fact He's paying him As supposed to be Some big time drug dealer mm. It's <laughs> just There's no cohesiveness To this film at all mm. um, And that, that's such a minor thing But it's just kind of It's a symptom of the whole thing And um, uh, Malkovich Perhaps comes out of it Best for being the one person Who gets it more Than anybody else I think yeah, This is double yeah. Have a wee bit of fun here And get a nice paycheck But mm. Yeah, I think probably you're right, Scott, that John Cusack is the the one person who's thought, well, this is a serious role, i so, take this seriously. Yeah, I can ground this in reality. Nope. I mean, I've turned up <laughs> and said, and heard Nicholas Cage's voice, and looked at Nicholas Cage's hair, and still thought, I'm wearing sandals with a suit, but no, I'll go with this. <laughs> this. This Brookheimer guy knows what he's doing, right?
1: <laughs> this is the first time I feel like a producer has really understood me. <laughs> Oh, my days. Oh, my days. So much of it is confusing <laughs> <laughs> So so much And that's before the BBFC Took the uh, entirely understandable Decision to um, Insist that they excise Many of the scenes which seem to poke fun At the cross-dressing convict Who's on board who's, Whose name I can't mention now But who we see very little of in the, Sally the UK can't dance. that's it, Sally Can't Dance Who we see very little of in the UK edit um, Because it was deemed uh, Even in 1997 <laughs> And the treatment of that character was deemed unacceptable <laughs> And there you go you know, I, I, I for one it. can't say th- I for one can't say they were wrong on that
2: <laughs> um, I assume I, I've seen the, the Blu-ray version of it So it will yeah. likely have been done cut version yeah. Um, yeah, that's The character's not in it much But while at um, the point where most of the people Are trying to rescue the plane So that um, they can escape Which makes sense hmm. Nick Cage is off trying to find a syringe so he can give a dose of insulin to his friend to make sure he dies. But he at least thinks he's doing the right thing. And it seems like the really pressing thing for for Sally to do is to go and find a dress, which uh-huh. conveniently he does. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> But that that seems to be the important thing.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't think it's ever explained us what Sally's uh, Sally can't dance's crime is, other than perhaps uh, perhaps Sally was in jail for being um, a man dressed in women's clothing.
2: <laughs> Seem, oh, I, seems seems
1: okay. like the sort of decision that they would
2: make. But thank you for saying that. Talking about explaining what the crimes—that's something that's it's really mm. um, awkward for watching this film. Though is that the way they do the exposition is so awkward and clunky Mm -hmm. i know you'd expect anything better probably thing, but it's done almost like they have the character speaking in the way that a narrator might Mm
1: -hmm. yeah
2: Mm -hmm. it's so awkward and it's it doesn't just happen at the beginning it keeps recurring through it So i'm surprised they didn't find some sort of way to explain that person's crimes because they did everything else yeah exactly
1: yeah uh, but, and perhaps in that, just acknowledging, other there is some acknowledgement on their part that it was a bad decision to have that character in the first place anyway, but they, <laughs> but they went ahead with it. Yeah, and that's the other thing about this, is that at times it borders worryingly on glorifying some of these characters, which is just absolutely, you know, bizarre. And, well, I don't, presumably it was done with tongue-in-cheek, but I just don't think that's a good idea to begin with. So... Um,
2: the whole thing, again, I'm coming back to the tone, so I was just thinking too that you've got... I mean. While he's so he's more than anybody playing it, kind of knowingly. But John Malkovich is portrayed as capable, dangerous, scary. Mm-hmm. Uh, then you've got Danny Trejo, who's a threat in the film, and you have Steve Buscemi, possibly the one person not playing up who probably more capable than anybody else of doing it. But at least he's he's portrayed as like really dangerous guy, and he's and he's delivered and he's Hannibal Lecter. It's yeah, stories uh, a wild animal kind of thing, yeah. Yeah, and then there's Dave Chappelle <laughs> goofing yeah. about. Mm-hmm. It's it's strange. Yeah, um, it's a very very mixed up film indeed. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I can almost guarantee that if I'd went back and watched this sort of next year and then the year after, I'd, I would quite rapidly be swinging towards your position, Craig. Um, I, I don't think there's a lot here that will stand up to any kind of uh, repeat viewing, but I just. No, no. I was basically coming to this for the first time. It had been so long since then, I'd kind of forgotten everything yeah. that was in it, um, yeah. apart from vaguely thinking about Bunny, and uh, you, that kind of gave it a bit of leeway, but uh-huh. it's certainly not going to stand up to any kind of scrutiny whatsoever.
2: No. <laughs> yeah, I have no that you're right where to return to Scott, but I have no intention of doing so. so. <laughs> No, yes. probably for the best enough of that <laughs> yes. one viewing that like, yeah you know what I didn't feel this film particularly wasting my time it, enjoy maybe a strong word but you know didn't resent mm. my time it, but I'm never watching this again it's not a stand up into like, one viewing let alone repeat no.
0: <laughs> five what? stars says Paul Ross <laughs> Paul Ross five stars high octane thrill ride
1: <laughs> what, um, what do our
0: listeners have to say about the topic so, at Sonic Yoda on Twitter, uh, it's, I agree entirely with what we're saying here. It's still amazing to me that that cast all still agreed to do Con Air uh, Also, the here sequence comes another dump truck of money. <laughs> <laughs> also the sequence with Steve Buscemi's character and the little girl is genuinely one of the most nerve-wracking scenes in an otherwise incredibly stupid movie uh, yes I certainly agree with the last half of that yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and again that's, that's more what you said the, the tone Drew it is, that's a scene from a much better film okay. that has been put in there amongst this sea of garbage it does stick out like a sore thumb but yeah
2: um, yes I agree very stupid just um, I'm thinking too um, of how terrible the film largely is and how terrible John Cusack is it, but I'm thinking that yeah, just it's only just a couple of years before John Malkovich and John Cusack would be together in the film again, and it would be yeah. brilliant and possibly yeah. the last jo- good thing John Cusack ever did. Yes, <laughs> what a waste.
0: You're talking of 2012, of course. <laughs>
2: that's it, with, with the lava speeds up to follow them, because <laughs> the Latinos, the yeah, Latinos, mutating. I was have mutated. <laughs> I was
1: going <gonna, laughs> to say, didn't Malkovich play a mutating neutrino? <coughs> but,
0: uh, <laughs> he went method. <laughs>
1: G, Gino, the mutating neutrino.
0: Um, <laughs> Dear me, did we get any other feedback? Um, just props out to at Tengushi on Twitter for the the, the lovely gif of Nick uh, Cage and his hair sniffing the sweet, sweet smell of freedom mm-hmm. uh, with that, uh, that goofy expression, as he tends to have. But uh, otherwise, no comment, so I don't know if I take that as a positive or a negative. Uh, I'm going to assume positive, because why not? Mm. <laughs> yes, but that's your lot for us. Yes, <laughs> well, <that's> <laughs> thankfully. thankfully. <laughs> Yeah, so I mean, thanks for your attention. If you're still listening to, given that we somehow managed to stumble on for about forty minutes talking about two <laughs> films that really don't deserve. That you've done. Of time. You've done well, listeners. <laughs> you win a gold star so if you have any feedback for us if you want any, any thoughts on this or any of other films we've spoken about over the past couple of weeks please give us a, a shout on twitter we're on there at fudsonfilm or hit us up on the emails podcast at fudsonfilm.com and and until the next time in our 10 days or so where we talk about a random smattering of films what we have done see including presumably Avengers Endgame uh, we will speak to you then but until then take care of yourself and each other bye bye
1: plan <laughs>